Welcome to Pan and Unicorn, the relationship podcast. Are you excited? I'm Episode excited. One? Numero uno. Yay, we are finally launching. I know it's been long awaited, but we wanted to make sure everything was perfect before we launched. But we're here. We're, we're excited. doing it. All right, so before we get into episode one, make sure to follow us at Instagram and TikTok at Pan and Unicorn. And also, we have a store where you guys can buy merch. Pan and Unicorn here. And the shirt, (laughs) he's rocking it. So we have tons of different variety of products on there. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want us to add. We can add anything that you guys want. Maybe even design some new logos and like do contests with you guys to see who's like, you know, design wins. We probably have some fans that are super artsy. Yeah. Infinitely better than us. They can design some cool logos Mm -hmm. and some cool ideas around Pan and Unicorn and we'll throw them up on the store. It'd be really fun. So all of that is linked down below. We also have a newsletter that is going to be launched. A weekly newsletter. Weekly newsletter where it's going to have the episode for that week and then also tons of giveaways, like huge giveaways, makeup, beauty, anything you could think of, some men's stuff as well because our audience is also going to be men. Yeah, so make sure you guys subscribe to the newsletter. If you are not subscribed to the newsletter, you cannot win and Mm -hmm. you cannot get our giveaways. Um, And we want to reach out to you guys and get to know you. So make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Yes. And then now that leads us into... Sending some love. Sending some love. So every episode, we're going to have it to where we text someone that we love them. And Ross has done this with me from day one. He always texts me throughout the day saying, I'm thinking of you. I love you. I miss you. And it makes you feel so good. I've never had anyone do that for me. So we really wanted to spread that and send some love to others. Yeah. And as the relationship podcast, where all of us are working on having better relationships Mm -hmm. with the people we love, And so something that's so easy, whether it's your parents, your family members, your sisters, brothers, cousins, friends, Mm -hmm. mentors, coaches, just send them some love. Um, It takes two seconds every day. And so we're going to practice it with each episode. So if you're out there, you're listening, wherever you are, if you're watching, um, take two seconds, grab someone in your phone and send them some love. And Madison and I are going to do it right now really quick. All right, send some love. I was fast. Mm-hmm. Who did you send love to? Uh, my cousin Adam. Oh, nice. I sent some to my mom. Okay. All righty, so we sent some love. We sent some and- love. And again, I, I think it's great. We're going to try to do this you know, every episode to mm-hmm. remind you, but... Even when we're out and about and uh, not on our podcast, I know you need yeah. to practice it. I know we're, we're I'm working on it. He has me working on it. She's been doing great, actually. And in fairness to Madison, she has been texting me, "I love you" and "I miss you" way more in the last few weeks than she ever has mm-hmm. during our eight month relationship, <laughs> and it makes me feel really good. 
All right. So we also want to discuss about what you would expect from this podcast as this is our first episode. And basically, we're going to be covering everything from blending families, divorce, because we are divorced. We have kids. And we definitely have... I've done my research where I've tried to find people talking like to help navigate through this time. And it's really hard to find. But we basically wanted to cover that stuff. And then we also want to interview other people yeah, too. So we're going to interview other people about their relationships, what they've been through, um, kind of their stories. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, really, it's about building a community. So we're going to try to have um, all of you guys that are listening um, part of our lives. And you guys can follow you know, Madison and I's journey is, is we've been dating and trying to blend families and um, going through divorce and all of the stuff that we've been through, but also, you know, any support we can lend to yeah. our family, our community out there, um, anything you guys are going through, you know, ask us questions, you know, we're going to help as much as we can. Yeah. And hopefully we can get a lot of you listeners and Pan Unicorn supporters mm-hmm. supporting each other. Yes. Um, we're going to try to create a real supportive community. Exactly. Because definitely when going through divorce or going through rocky relationships, the biggest thing that we need is a healthy support system. Yeah. Or just starting out in relationships. Yes. And, you know, it's scary just getting back out there, starting new relationships. And um, so we're just going to try to create a very loving, supportive community around building relationships. Yep. And that kind of leads us into what our topic is for the first episode. And Ross and I, we have been asked so many questions about us, about our divorce, about marriage, all that stuff. So we kind of wanted to spend this first episode to allow you guys to get to know us a little bit more. I haven't shared a ton on the internet about my divorce. Um, Ross hasn't been on the internet at all. (laughs) So we figured that this would be a great way for you guys to learn about us, understand our experiences and what we've been going through and to relate to us and be So this episode's a little deep, a little heavy. We're not going to have all of our episodes like this. Hopefully some will be more fun and lighthearted and more funny. Mm -hmm. But Madison and I have done two different Q&As from all of our fans and, and supporters. And so... Uh, a lot of the questions are about our divorce. So we figured episode one, let's just dig right into it. Um, Let's hear kind of the nitty gritty details of Madison and my divorce and kind of how we ended up here. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. So bear with me. It's really hard to open up. It is hard. Really hard to open up. He knows this about me. Um, So basically getting into the first question, babe. Yeah. So I'm going to ask Madison some questions. She's going to ask me some questions and we'll see how this thing goes. We appreciate, you know, all of your support and love and uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Yep. So here we go. Question one, Mm -hmm. Madison, when was the first moment or time that you felt divorce was an actual possibility for you and your ex? Okay. So quickly. Backstory, I was married for eight years and in a relationship for 12 with my ex. And I would say that the first moment that I remember where I actually thought divorce was a possibility was in November of 2020. I was pregnant with my second daughter. I had my first daughter in the car, picking up from school. She fell asleep on the way to school. So I was just kind of driving through the neighborhood to let her sleep a little bit. And I was talking to my ex on the phone and he was so mean so mean. I just remember us arguing and fighting and I was just bawling my eyes out. Hold on. What were you arguing about? Like what was so mean? I think the biggest, I think at that time, it's hard to even remember. Honestly, 
the argument that we were having at that time was about him not being home enough. He was home maybe three, four days out of a month. And those four days out of a month that he was home, he was working at another office until 5.30, 6, sometimes 6.30 at night to where he'd only be around Riley for about an hour before bedtime. And I did everything on my own. I worked. I took care of Riley. I was pregnant. I, did, I didn't have any support system. He just did whatever he wanted to do. So I kept telling him, hey, I need help. And I need you to be home. I need you to spend time with Riley and be hands-on. And he was like, no, this is my career. This is what I have to do. And I we were just, I was just crying and he was so mean to me. I can't remember what he was saying exactly. I just remember bawling my eyes out and just being like, you are just, you're just evil. Like I did not marry this person. And that's when I had that pit in my stomach. I'm like, okay, I think divorce actually might be possible. And did you feel like, okay, so you had Riley, mm -hmm. you're pregnant, so you're going through a lot being mm -hmm. pregnant, and on top of it, he's being really, really mean to you, yes. and he's not present. Mm -hmm. So that was it. It was like... It was a lot. I mean, I think it was probably also after the time when I first went through a miscarriage before I conceived Kinsley, and he wasn't there for me during my miscarriage at all. And then I started having really heavy bleeding with Kinsley in the very beginning, and I asked him, he was actually home. And I was like, hey, it was during COVID. I was like, hey, I either need you to stay home with Riley or I need you to drive me to the hospital because I'm ha I'm bleeding a ton right now. It was early pregnancy. I was scared I was having another miscarriage. He's like, no, I have to go and work with my parents. So he's like, I have to go drive up to Hesperia and go work with my parents. And I'm like, I need you right now. I need you to either be with our daughter or be there to support me. I'm scared right now. No. And so my mom had to come and stay with Riley and my dad was the one that drove me to the doctor and waited in the car for me because he couldn't come in because of COVID. And that's when I just, I just felt so alone. Okay. So that's when you kind of thought, okay, divorce is on yeah, the table. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, we get into our first marriages and we don't expect divorce to ever happen. It doesn't even cross our mind. But I think when you go through those situations that are really traumatic and to know that you're like completely alone, then it's like, I got to get out of this. Did you try to put yourself in shoes to be like, how could he possibly treat me like this? Like, did you try to think like, what is wrong with him? Like, I'm struggling mightily. I'm asking for help. And he's just doesn't even want to help. I think what at that time I was just kind of like, I felt like he was so disconnected and he didn't want the family. So I think that's what it was kind of like. He just doesn't, he didn't want to be there. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard. What about you? What was your first time or moment that you thought divorce was a possibility? I don't remember the exact day, year, time like you do. But mm -hmm. for me, I remember is a weird feeling um, and I don't know if people out there listening, if you guys have ever had this feeling where nothing major happened. It was just a feeling came upon you. You're like, wait, this doesn't feel right. So um, my ex was traveling once or twice a year to Europe for work. Mm -hmm. um, and she'd go for, you know, kind of four to six nights at a time. And I had the two kids um, you know, maybe Max was around one or two, somewhere around there. Um, and so I had the two kids alone and I was working. And I think that for most 
people, um, maybe dads, maybe not, having the two kids alone, doing a lot of the work for both of them and working is difficult and stressful when they're, you know, wife's out of town. And I just remember like maybe night three or four being like not really missing her and not super excited for her to come home and enjoying my time with the kids uh, and thinking that that's not right. It was just a weird feeling. It was like, okay, if your wife leaves and goes to Europe Mm -hmm. and she's gone for three, four, five nights and you're not missing her and you're not excited for her to come back, is that bad? Is that wrong? Is that normal? Yeah, I would probably not. Not normal. Do you... Okay, thinking about to that time, did you and your ex do a lot of stuff together? Did you guys have hobbies together? Did you go on date nights? Were you actually enjoying time together? Or did you guys just kind of fall into that, we're just co-parenting roommates mode? I'm not sure exactly at that point what we're doing. Probably more not doing as much stuff together because... You know, Bo's probably, you know, if he's four and, and she's one or, you know, one half, mm-hmm. you got two young kids really, really busy with both, um, both working. But it wasn't so much that, you know, I wasn't, I don't remember being mad at her or angry at her mm-hmm. or having a feeling of um, like, you know, something towards her. I just didn't really miss her and I was having a great time with the kids and I was excited to, you know, really not, I was enjoying my time, I guess my alone time when the kids were asleep and she wasn't there. And I just had this feeling like, man, I, you know, this isn't good. And then I noticed, I kind of paid attention to it Mm -hmm. to see like, oh, well maybe when she gets back, Mm -hmm. I'll, the feelings will change and I'll be like, okay, she's back. Like, this is great. I did miss her. So I paid attention to it. I remember she got back and we went to dinner and she kind of told me all about her trip. And she didn't really ask me any questions about me or how my time was or how my week went Mm -hmm. or how work was going. It was just like all about her and her trip for about like a one hour dinner. And then I was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe this isn't why I wasn't that excited for her to come back and yeah. didn't, you know, didn't really miss Do her. Do you that think much. that maybe it was the environment that did, made you not miss her? Is like the environment when she was gone, it was easier going and more mellow and just yeah, like for kind sure. of went from Yeah, I think, yes. And, and there's like probably a, a lot of dads out there that feel like, yeah. Hey, you know what? Sometimes it's just infinitely easier when I'm just with the kids alone. His mm-hmm. mom isn't telling me what to do and how to do it and how I screwed up and what I did wrong. And I can just kind of do my own mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, at night, kids go to sleep and watch my own shows in my own bed. Yeah. I can, you know, read if I want to read. Um, and you don't have that kind of that pressure. I have to say, like, I reached, I remember that moment when I reached it with my ex when I noticed I, that, our relationship got so unhealthy and so toxic and kind of emotionally abusive and i got i was very neglected so when he came home the environment was very just tense like yeah. i wasn't even enjoyable and i kept feeling like when he was home i felt like i was nothing like i didn't mean anything and it yeah. was to a point where i loved it when he was gone because yeah. i felt better okay. yeah I so like, i think that was kind of my first moment yeah all right next question mm-hmm. Uh, This is a tough question um, for everyone out there listening. It's probably the toughest question. 
and we debated whether or not to ask this question, but we feel like we need to be open and honest with all of you. Um, just like we hope you guys are open and honest with us and our, you know, Pan and Unicorn family and that you guys know that, you know, we're here for support. And mm -hmm. um, so it's a tough one. But uh, the question for Madison is, when you found out that your ex cheated on you, mm -hmm. why did you not leave him then? All right. So back in 2017, this was before kids. And I was signed with Ipsy. I was doing great. My career was flourishing. I was doing very well. Um, and I, what happened was a lot of the times that Joel and I, we weren't spending as much time together. He was traveling for racing. He was racing with Mazda. I was traveling for Ipsy. And it would literally be me coming home, him leaving, um, and vice versa. And I had this pit in my stomach. I knew something was happening. I knew something was going on. And I remember even crying to him one night when I was in LA and I called him and was like, are you cheating on me? Like, I, I feel like you're cheating on me because I actually, I signed in on the camera, the Arlo in the living room. It was 12 o'clock at night. Doesn't stay awake past seven. And he was up talking on the phone. And I was like, who are you talking to? And he said his mom. I'm like, his mom's not awake at 12 o'clock at night. And he still wouldn't own it. And I knew. Do you remember so. that feeling? I feel like we've all had that feeling where it's like that pit in your stomach. You're like, oh, shit, like something's happening. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? And the panic kind of sets in. I was so like, I just started crying. I, I had that my stomach, you know, it's like you went on a drop on a roller yeah. coaster. And he didn't own it. And I was just like, I, it was kind of like I knew, but I didn't really want to know at that yes. time. So finally one night when we were both home, I couldn't sleep. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just doing it. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm little miss CIA and I can figure anything out if I want to, which is why I finally said, okay, I'm gonna figure it out. And I found out. And I found that he was flying this woman to a bunch of his races. And he even had her fly out to Texas and had her there for one day before me and my family got there. So she flew out for one night and flew back home right before I got there, only for one day. I was like, so I even confronted him about that. And he said this whole this whole little thing of, oh, she was hooking up another person on the team. And he was, since they came to him, he felt like the big hotshot because he had all these miles so he could fly for free. And I mean, obviously that was a lie. <laughs> we know that's a lie because also this woman is seven years older than me and was engaged to a man who had two kids of his own, which is just the most weirdest situation. Um, and so I called my parents. I went over there. I was bawling my eyes out. I talked to parents. I was bawling my eyes out. Um, his parents were very kind to me and they felt so bad. And... Um, it was really, really hard. And I remember like talking to my dad. My dad's like, whatever you want to do at this moment, if you want to leave him or if you want to stay, I will support you. At this point, how long have you been married? We were married for four years. With no kids yet. No kids yet. So it could have been an easier three, three, three to four years. Three Without to, kids, it's an easier out. Yeah. We, all we had was the house at that time. And I think... And I decided to stay with him. And I look back at that time and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Because he was not one bit remorseful. Yeah. Like not one bit remorseful. 
there's probably a lot of you guys out there listening that have been cheated on and not left and then later on left the relationship and felt like damn like i should have left then but and i think it's really hard not to beat yourself up about that Mm -hmm. um hopefully there's people out there listening that were cheated on and then resolved the relationship and they're doing great and it was just a misstep and you know relationships flurring but um yeah and that's tough it was really tough especially when the person wasn't even really like he didn't really say sorry he didn't he wasn't yeah. remorseful he wasn't anything and what do you think the reason is you did not leave him i think the reason was is because i was so scared that i would never find anyone else again and i think i was very insecure at the time too because of being in the career that i am in where you're being constantly <laughs> compared to so many people I don't think my confidence was that high. I think my confidence was at its lowest at that time. Which is really fascinating, I think, too, from like being a listener's perspective and especially being a guy's perspective, Mm -hmm. which is I think guys walk around and think that the hottest girls um, get hit on 24 hours a day and are the most confident. And it's like you're at the height of your career. You're beautiful. You're making a ton of money. And to us on the outside, you'd be like the greatest catch in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at your lowest point. Yeah. How is that possible? Is that just because of the relationship you were in? I think it was. I think that he kept making me feel like I was nothing. He made me feel like I didn't mean anything. He never told me I was beautiful. He never complimented me. It was, and that's one thing is like after that happened and we went to Cancun for one of his work trip things and we fought and I was like, we have to see someone. I go, we have to go and see a therapist, see a marriage counselor. So we did. And that was one of the things that we discussed in our meetings. It was, I go, he doesn't tell me I'm beautiful. He doesn't make me feel good. And I go, I'm very insecure with everything that I'm going against and who I'm with. And just being in this career, I need him to support me and like lift me up. And he can never do that. And was the counseling before you had kid, before you had Riley? Yeah. And so even though he was not treating you well, mm-hmm. was not giving you compliments, uh, made you feel like shit mm-hmm. and cheating on you, mm-hmm. you still still couldn't leave him. I still couldn't leave him. And I, I tried. I tried to do the the counseling. And the counseling, as we went into more and more of the sessions, it got better. And then he actually started trying. And that was the difference, is he actually started trying. And I'm thinking, and now looking back on it, it was because he lost his ride. I feel like everything was karma. Like the Texas one, when he flew another girl out there and flew her back out before I got there, he nearly died from a heat stroke in the car. And I was the one there by his side and supporting him and being there helping getting the needle in him and for the hydration. And I was like, it's karma. And then after finding out about this whole situation, he lost his ride with Mazda factory drive. And it's like, so he latched onto me because he's like, I've got nothing now. So you think that- And I still stuck, I stayed by his side. stayed by his side. Okay. Well, look, I think that for, again, everyone listening, I think- um, Many people have been cheated on and been treated like shit and stayed and not left. And it takes a lot of courage to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, for the people that are out there, um, you know. It's hard when you love someone so much. I think that was another thing is I loved him so much. And it's like. It's crazy how someone could treat someone who loves you so much so poorly. 
Yeah. And it so it it got better though. That's the thing. That's why we had Riley was because things did get better. And then finding out when I was pregnant with Riley, like halfway in, I found out more stuff, um, more cheating stuff, and it was heartbreaking. And that I kept in. Like the only thing is, my family only knew about the girl with the flying of the races. No one knew about all the other stuff. And I kept that in until after I filed for divorce. And I finally opened up and I got to see just how badly I was being treated in everyone's floor. Like their jaws were on the floor. Like, are you kidding me? Like all of this stuff, like what? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's tough too. I think that it's really difficult situation because when you're cheated on, it's like, you want to tell your friends and family, especially like your parents and stuff, but you're hesitant because if you're not ready to get out of the relationship, you don't want the people closest to you to, you know, hate them and your, you know, your current spouse, they're being around them all the time. You don't want the tension. You don't want the issues. Yeah. And if you're planning to try to stick it out and work it out, mm-hmm. you're hesitant to tell anyone. At the same time, then you're going through it alone. Yeah. And it's really, really dark place to be at to go through alone. Or Especially not have when the to talk person to. like that you're with doing that's doing these things to you, it tells you things like, Oh, if you let the toothpaste out of the tube, you can't put it back in. Cause he right. didn't want anyone to know. He didn't right. want me to open up to anyone. Right. Well, he didn't that's want manipulation me to tell anyone. and yeah. It was just bad. Yeah. So what about you? Why did you not leave when you found out your ex cheated on you? Um, so why didn't I leave? Um, I think that, yeah, I don't, looking back, I don't necessarily have a great answer, but I think my best answer would be that, you know, um, Bo was young and we just had our first child. And I think that, uh, you know, similar to you, which was, I remember being in bed one night and she's usually in bed with me going to sleep and she left our room to go to the other room. And I knew she was like texting someone or talking to someone, which was weird because it was like late at night. And um, I kind of had that feeling like, this is weird, like what's going on? Um, and then nothing happened. And then kind of a week or two weeks later, how I actually found out was, I don't know if it was a computer or iPad, but they were messaging each other on Facebook Messenger and it was open. And so like he was messaging her and she was messaging him and I was reading it. Oh no. And so that's when you get like that pit in your stomach, that panic moment. You're just yeah. like, what the fuck? Um, and so then I don't remember exactly what I did. Um, but essentially she was caught mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it's tough. It, I think it's like, do you tell her parents? Do you tell her family? Do you tell my family? What do you do in that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest the best thing to do is not panic and do nothing and just try to take a deep breath and catch yourself, maybe sleep on it and then figure out a game plan. But it's so hard in that moment. You're so mad. You're so angry. Your adrenaline is adrenaline's rushing. rushing. Yeah. And what's crazy is when I found out who it was, I realized that we went to a new year's Eve party with like a bunch of people mm-hmm. and that he was there. So I was at a party that he was at while they were hooking up and I had no idea at the time. 
Oh, that must have been hard. So then I looked back. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, Isn't that crazy? Like when you find out these things, you look back at this different scenarios or like situations, and you're just yeah. like, holy crap. Um, and and I think that, you know, she did a pretty good job of quasi blaming me, and you know, I think that you know, I was kind of saying, oh, she's a rough pregnancy baby not sleeping a lot she's been going through a lot and then she kind of said well you know you haven't been giving me the attention you haven't been giving me any love you haven't been doing enough for me um that's why when this guy was giving me love and making me feel good and giving me attention i needed it and i liked it and so it kind of put me in a situation where i kind of beat myself up over it which sucks it's because it's like how can someone just turn around and make it feel like it is our fault. Like I had the same scenario happen, like where it's it's just, it's like manipulation and narcissistic in a sense. Yes. And I think it's also like downplayed it. Like, oh, it wasn't really a big deal. Yeah. Uh, we didn't sleep with each other. It was just this and this. And like, um, it won't happen. And I, I think that, um, I, don't, you- I don't want to say she wasn't remorseful. I think she was, but- I, I think for me, my biggest thing was like, how could you do that? We just had a baby. Like, how yeah. could we do that? Like, we have a child together. Um, if we didn't have a child, I would have been gone in one second. Like, just mm-hmm. gone. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think that that situation definitely played a role in our long-term relationship. As much as I tried to um, kind of get over it and give her a second chance and you know try not to and i remember um i think she made a comment to me at one point like well if you really need to like you can cheat on me back to like get me back and like um that's gonna make you get over it or feel better and i was like yeah that's not that's not gonna help yeah that's not gonna help and that's not what i wanted to do anyway and so i think that you know it's um yeah, I think that's a tough one. I, I, I think just, yeah. I, so I don't basically, know. the reason why you stayed was because you guys just had Bo and you didn't want to give up on it yet. For sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was a confusing time. I think, you know, hadn't been sleeping much, pregnancy, you know, I, you know, she kind of made me feel like I could have been doing a better job and that she was getting the attention from someone else. She wanted it from me and she wasn't getting it from me. Mm-hmm. which is a theme of our relationship. Yeah. So um, I felt bad in a way. You know, she made me feel bad. Um, like it partly was my fault. Yeah, um, but a better way of going about that is not going and ha- letting someone else into your relationship, but voicing and communicating correct. that with the well, person saying obvious. like. Um, but, you know, I, again, I have a lot of empathy, sympathy for people out there that have been cheated on because we've had gone through it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily there's a right answer, a wrong answer of how to deal with it, mm-hmm. other than it's just really tough. Yeah. Um, and I definitely feel like, you know, six, seven years later, when we were going through difficult times, like it's still in my mind. And when she and I um kind of like ended ended things we had a conversation about it and just kind of said like you know um through all the things that happened all the ups all the downs all the fighting like there were two things that happened in our relationship that were just you know detrimental that just you know really um kind of hard to get over 
and something I won't forget. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's things I did to her as well that she won't forget. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just, I kind of, yeah, I don't know. And yeah, I don't know. I just never, I never, I always felt kind of like, and maybe I'm wrong, just kind of felt like if you want to cheat or you feel like you're going to cheat or you feel the need to cheat, um, then that's probably a relationship you just get out of. Yeah, it's true. That's what you've always said. It's like, I, why would I want to be in a marriage where like I want to cheat? It's yeah. like, if that's where I'm at, like, just, it's not a good, like, I'm not happy. I just get out. Exactly. And also not to hurt someone else because it's not fair to them either. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So done with the cheating. That was a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So next question, Madison, for you was, and I think everyone that goes through divorce has this, but what was your let go moment when you decided, okay, this is it. Like before I thought there was a possibility of divorce could happen. But now it's your let go moment. You're like, this is it. It's over. We are getting divorced. I am moving on. I have let go. I have moved on mentally. Mm -hmm. What was that moment for you? So for me, honestly, I had two little moments. I, you would think that my let go moment for divorce would be the time that I filed for divorce, but it wasn't. It was actually in January of 2022. Um, I filed for divorce in August of 2021. So you filed for divorce, but weren't sure you're actually going to fully go through with it. Was that like a kind of, uh, hey, I'm going to show you that I could do this type of thing, kind of a threat? No, I got forced into it because of I basically found out that he was hiding money. And it kind of showed me, okay, wait, is he planning on divorcing me? Um, so you thought he was hiding so, money because he was planning to divorce Yeah, you. so that way he could hide money. So that way I wouldn't get a part of it. And so that triggered you to go file for divorce? So it triggered me to I where I confronted him about it. And he wouldn't deny. He goes, oh, that does sound like a good plan. But nope, that's not it. And I'm like, no, you. this is it. Just own it for once. The guy, he just can never own anything. Um, and I said, okay, it's time for you to leave. So he didn't fight it. He didn't try to stay. He he left. And I called him every day that week crying and saying like, is this really what you want? Is this really the divorce? He's like, just file for divorce. So that Friday I filed, but I still wasn't fully ready. I was still so hurt and so broken. But when I reached my let go moment to where like, yes, I am getting divorced was in January because he was even toying with my emotions over the last like six months after me filing for divorce saying like, maybe we can work things out, but you need to do this and this and this. You need to be okay with me doing this and let me do my thing. And basically, I had to do all the compromising for him. So he told you to file for divorce. He told you he wanted out. Mm -hmm. He left the house. Yes. And during that time, he He said he wanted to come back. Come back, but you need to do all these things. Yeah. And he had to do nothing. Yeah. And you still were considering that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm telling you, it happens when you love someone. it's really hard to let go. And I think as a mom, especially, and a woman, we try everything that we possibly can until we can't do no more. And now I know I can lay my head down on my pillow and I'm like, I did everything I could. I did, I did whatever I possibly could to save this marriage and I, it didn't do it. So I can be okay with it. Um, and so, yeah, he basically, like, we even went out for New Year's dinner. And it was just like I was with 
a different person. I didn't even know who this person was anymore. We just, it was just like, I didn't even feel anything. And I still kind of like, okay, let's just try. So it had nothing to do with the fact that I was texting you before asking about you were doing for New Year's. I know you're texting me at that time. And I wasn't really even, was I? She was giving me no love. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was holding out. Okay. I was trying to see like what was happening. And so you went out for New Year's. And- so, and it was nothing. Like we just did dinner and it was just like, God, this guy is just mm, different person, not fun, boring, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I still tried. He went to Dubai for two weeks. The first week, it felt like things were almost like back to normal. Like he was talking to me every day. He was being nice and great. Then it was literally like one week later and everything changed. It was like, a, it was like Jackal and Hyde. And he was so mean again, like so mean for no reason. And I was just like, I can't do this. I remember pulling over in a neighborhood drive because I was driving my way home and I parked. You have a lot of crying in the car in neighborhood stories. I do. <laughs> I do. That's what I do a lot. And yeah, so I, I parked over in a neighborhood and talked to him on the phone. And I said, I go, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I, I've tried everything. I give up. And I said, I'm done. I'm going to start dating. I go, I'm done. We're going to go through this divorce. Um, And I was just done. I didn't talk to him for the rest of the time that he was gone. And then I decided to go on a date with you. (laughs) Let's go. Good timing. (laughs) And it was good timing. I remember like our like first like real date because we did little dates, but we never kissed or anything. And then we had our first mini golf date. And it was so much fun. I knew then I was like, I'm going to fall for this guy. Like, I just know, like, I go, it just feels right. Like, I I knew I was going to, like, I was like, I, I could see myself falling hard for this person. And here we are. Yeah. And unicorn. You're everything I wanted. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my love. <laughs> so, um, babe, what about you? What was your let go moment that, um, helped you decide that divorce was going to happen. Yeah, I, I think it's, we both have a little bit of a similar story. And then I feel like both of our exes kind of like pushed us away mm-hmm. where like they wanted divorce, but weren't really sure how to like actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they weren't a hundred percent sure, but they kind of wanted us to do the work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I feel like it was also kind of like they didn't have the balls to do it themselves, so they wanted us to. (laughs) Yeah, and so I think that for me, um, I was already in a, you know, failed marriage and was heading fast towards separation Mm -hmm. and then maybe divorce from there, but separation. And it was COVID, and I'd been I had a bad knee for a long time, um, and you know, in fairness to she had been pushing me for a while to get a knee replacement and she was right. She was like, I really did need one. Cause I was just, at this point I was sleeping in so much pain. I couldn't even golf. I could walk without pain. Um, and I just had so many knee surgeries before and then just hell. And I was just like trying to avoid it cause I just didn't want to deal with it again. It's such yeah. a long recovery. How long were you in that much pain for? I mean, pain for like five, six years, but like the last year, 
I'd say you like that long? the last like nine months was like once I couldn't golf anymore because I was too painful and I was like couldn't I would wake up from sleeping in pain. Uh, I was like, okay, this is when the doctor was like, I was like, okay, I can't live like this anymore. Um, and then said, you know, look, it's COVID. We're going nowhere. Um, you know, usually Thanksgiving, we'd go on a trip. Christmas, we'd go on a trip. And I was like, we're not. Mm -hmm. So it was like a good time to just do the surgery. So I went to the doctor and like a couple weeks later, like, was like, okay, yeah, your knee's a mess. Like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, and I remember just so i had a knee replacement um which is a tough surgery we had the two kids it's covid my parents flew out for the first like five days and, and took me and i could tell while i was going through the process of going to the doctors mm -hmm. to have it um and pre-surgery the conversations with where um she just wasn't very nice. She wasn't very, you know, like. I um, also, I want to add in something too that people should know is Ross also had, or they still have a live-in housekeeper too. Yeah. So Ava, I, like, Ava saved my life. Thanks, yeah, Ava. I'm just, I want to like say this because right. I mean, some woman would be like, well, she was probably stressed out because she was dealing with the kids and right. all this stuff at once, but she had full-time help. Yeah, she had help and her mom was living with us. Yeah. So she had a lot of help, but um so long story short, like I had surgery, um, not trying to scare anybody out there that has a knee replacement. Um, my knee is doing great. Um, and it was a successful surgery, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, uh, what all the stuff they put in me during surgery, um, the anesthesia, the, anesthesia, the pain medicine, the pain pills, I was a mess like for a good month. Mm -hmm. um, first week, you know, you're going to physical therapy right away, but first week was like, okay, normal mess. Mm -hmm. But then for whatever reason, for a month, I did not sleep. Like I was up, I was sleeping maybe an hour to a day. And after the second week of no sleep, I was starting to get like a weird kind of delirious slash depression slash like freaking out. And she was nowhere. Didn't help me. Didn't do anything for me. Ava helped me with everything. Um, just getting up and going to the bathroom was impossible. Um, for whatever reason, the way the drugs worked for all you doctors out there, maybe it makes sense to you. But um, I went through like a three-day stretch where um, I just started peeing like constantly, like every two hours. But I, it was so hard for me to get out of bed to go to the bathroom to get back in bed. And sometimes it's like that immediate, like all of a sudden you have to, your pee was from zero to 60 and you're like, shit, like I gotta pee now. Or like, and I was peeing in cups. So I had like red solo cups of pee, like all over near the bed. You poor thing, and babe. I was not sleeping, peeing like every two hours up all night, um, just completely in the worst shape. Um, I wouldn't say suicidal, but just like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but like not myself. Like I was not feeling anything like myself Reminds at all. Reminds me a little bit of postpartum. I was the just- The lack of sleep really- Like foggy, hazy, mess. not really sure what was going on or yeah. what was happening, trying to pretend like I knew what was going on, trying to be with the kids a little bit, like they'd come lay with me. Nights were the worst. Like yeah. it would be like everyone would go to sleep and then I'd be like, okay, please tonight, just like- 
10 o'clock, like just let me sleep. 10 would turn to 11, would turn to 12, would turn to three in the morning, would turn to four in the morning. And I would just, I couldn't even watch a movie on Netflix. you have like a lot of nighttime anxiety? Yeah, but I just like, I don't know if people have been there. I'm sure you guys have where you're like, let me sleep. Please let me sleep. Please let me sleep. Please. The more you're thinking about it, you just can't (laughs) sleep. It's even more frustrating. And I was so out of it that I couldn't even enjoy a movie. I couldn't even enjoy a show. I couldn't pay attention to kind of like what was happening and what was going on. So I was just watching like random stuff on YouTube. American Idol. American Idol. (laughs) Like just weird stuff that meant nothing. And my old thought during that process was, I don't, as mad as she is at me, as much as she hates me, as much as she wants me out, Mm -hmm. the fact that she basically did not help me at all and paid almost no attention to me and in some ways made things even harder for me was like, this is it. This is my let go moment. Like, I don't care what I've done to someone when I'm in the worst shape of my life possible and she's essentially just neglecting me. Like her dad was taking me to physical therapy. She never took me. Um, It was just like her way of basically being like, I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And me in this like weird, hazy fog being like, I can't believe she's doing this. It's hard. Um, But I couldn't even articulate it at the time. And then when it was over um, and I said, you know, these two things I'll never forget, the cheating and the way you treated me, you know, post-surgery, she did apologize and she felt bad and i think she still feels bad about it but that was like that's it like i'm done yeah that must have been really 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 hard it feels lonely when oh, you're struggling the worst. and you go you don't have someone that you can depend on or the support worst. you or be there just to console you like it like oh, everything man. that you were describing i don't know if like other moms could feel this just, but- let me just tell you to the degree okay i put a chair in our shower so I could sit in it to shower because I couldn't stand. And at one point, she says to me, like, all right, like, you've had enough with the chair. Like, that's really annoying in the shower. Can you just get it out? And I'm like, no, I can't stand. Like, I need the chair. So she just took the chair out of the shower. I was like, what? I feel so bad. Like, how bad did she hate me? That was that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty bad. I don't know. Just, I, I know because I feel feel what you were going through because I feel like we can really relate in this situation with each other where we felt alone, yeah. no support, and it's really dark. Yeah. It's such a dark time. And I like even just like you describing everything like with not sleeping and being scared with the nighttime anxiety, that reminds me so much of postpartum. That is like I remember with Riley, she did not sleep or she started sleeping through the night pretty early on, but you're just never used to it. And your hormones are going crazy. I was grinding my teeth so bad I had to wear a night guard because I had such bad nighttime anxiety. And that is the worst feeling ever. And with you, you felt it for a long time. And that's that's hard. That's really hard. I'm sorry, babe. Thanks, baby. I love you. You'll take care of me. I took care Next of you. Next surgery. <laughs> oh, I, I've already dealt with one surgery yeah, now. So. And I think I did pretty good. You did great. I, I babied you. I spoiled you. You did great. Um, all right. So moving on. So the people out there that are struggling, um, and I'll just caveat this. So, uh, nobody really knew what I was going through. And partly, um, the main reason I didn't tell my parents or my sister or my friends that I was going to be moving out 
was because I hadn't told my kids. And I was worried that like somehow someone would slip up, probably my mom, um, and say something somehow. And I wasn't going to tell my kids I was going to move out until right before I was going to move out. And it was the day I was dreading for like two years of my life was yeah. how I'm going to tell the kids. Because you didn't want them to like beg you to stay or just, like let I it. was just, just anything. I was just yeah. deathly scared of telling them. Yeah. So when I did finally move out, um, you know, everyone and my friends and community and families obviously was t talking about it. And I didn't have to tell anybody. I just got about 50 to 100 text messages from especially my guy friends like, hey, I heard the news thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. If you want to talk, you know, I'm here for you. Great. But what was interesting is I found out that a few of my friends, um, when I did talk to them, were actually in worse marriages or as bad of marriages as I was in. And they're in it currently. Mm -hmm. And so it really made me feel like, damn, like I need to check in with my friends more. And then I started thinking about like, well, you know, what, do, what should people do? And, and some of my friends asked for some advice. And so yeah. that leads to this question of for the people listening out there, men and women that are in a bad marriage mm -hmm. that really want to get out, but have no idea how, because you and I have been there. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for people that are scared to get divorced and don't know how to get out? So my best advice, on, well, it's not even, it's just sharing my experience and what I went through is because I remember how scared I was to actually get divorced and go through it because there's so much that goes through your mind. You worry about the kids. You don't like, I, I didn't want my kids growing up in a broken home. Like I was so just devastated about that. I was devastated. I was really scared financially too. Like, how am I going to take care of these two little girls, two dogs, a house, everything on my own. Um, and would I ever find love again? And I know it's so, those things go through your mind and you're just so scared of being alone for the rest of your life. But I, throughout this whole process of my divorce, from the second that he moved out to now, I have documented and done videos of myself going through each pivotal moment. And like the second he moved out and just more so on. And I look back at those videos. I even showed Ross. The they're first intense. One. If you want to see Madison break down, crying, bawling <laughs> her eyes out, they're intense videos. Yeah, <laughs> intense. Um, but I knew I wasn't like going to ever share them um, with any, like, you know, I wasn't ever going to post them or anything. It was for myself and it kind of helped me cope with it and to be able to talk. Cause that's my thing is talking to a camera. It helps me cope and communicate and not feel like someone's judging me or trying to, I just letting me get it all out. But I look back at those videos and I was so broken, so devastated. And it was such a dark time. And then I'm like, I would do it 10 times over again if I knew I was going to be as happy as I am now. Because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Even though the tunnel sometimes feels like it goes on forever, it feels dark, lonely, depressing. Scary. Scary. You, There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And the biggest thing is, is that you just, you just grow that resilience. Like you have no other choice but to get out of it. Yeah. And I what I started doing is I started putting myself first. I started doing stuff for myself again and that made me happy. I thankfully met an amazing partner that makes me feel more love than I've ever felt in my entire life and who's supportive 
and always he's making me be a better person too. And I never would have gotten to this place if I didn't go through those hard times. So my best advice for you guys is even though I know right now it's dark and it's hard and it's scary, but I promise it does get better. Just be resilient, be strong, try to put yourself first and um, just really just, yeah. And we're here. Like Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of Pan and Unicorn and the relationship podcast is if you're going through struggles, like reach out, Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to build a community around it. We're going to have people supportive. I think, you know, Madison, I wish we would have been able to talk to more people about it. Mm -hmm. And I think talking to people like outside of your friends and family is the best because when it's your friends and family, like they know your ex so well and they're around your ex so well, it's hard to kind of have that conversation Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not sure if you're going to get out or not get out. So you can talk to some unbiased people that have no correlation to you and your ex and your family, I think that helps it's a lot. It's so helpful. That's why I have, I actually have a lot of moms and a lot of wives that reach out to me in my DMs yeah. ever since they found out about my divorce or people found me because they're like, hey, I just found your channel. I'm going through this right yeah. now. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And those messages, like I just tell them like, I promise you it gets better, but we are here to talk with you. We are here to help support you through it. And that's why we wanted to create this podcast. So what about you, babe? What was the question? What, um, what advice do you have for people that are scared to get divorced? So my advice might not work for everybody, but I've had this conversation with a few friends and for me personally to get to the point where I could get divorced was when I finally kind of got convinced, educated that me staying in this relationship was actually worse for my kids. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest thing. And also to know that um, it seems so counterintuitive that like staying with my ex and waiting till the kids went to college, co-parenting, um, pretending like, you know, we're fine. We're in, you know, we're, we're good. Um, was the best thing for the kids. And it took me like years to find a therapy, reading about it, listening to finally get to the point. I was like, you know what? That's wrong. It's actually best for my kids. If I end up happy Mm -hmm. and in a happy, healthy relationship and my ex, she's happy mm-hmm. because she wasn't happy either. Yeah. And so I didn't, you know, for my kids to grow up in a relationship with both parents being unhappy, mm-hmm. um, I realized that us faking it or us pretending it was not best for the kids. And even though that these the first couple years are, you know, even moving forward are gonna be really, really hard for my kids, mm-hmm. um, and they have been, that ultimately it's going to be better for them. They're going to thank me later that we ended up moving a different direction, co-parenting, finding love with other people and becoming happy. Um, and so my advice, if you're in the situation is, I don't know how you get there if you have children, but if you get to the point where you can really believe in your heart that you exiting this situation where you and your you know spouse are not happy, and you guys finding happiness elsewhere is what's best for your kids, yeah. that is gonna be probably your best chance of taking that leap and taking that step. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you talk to, I, the good thing is I actually had a lot of friends who 
were children of divorce. And yeah. I asked them that. And they said, oh man, I wish my parents would have done it earlier. I, I so wish my parents would have gotten divorced friend, earlier. Like, followers that DM'd me the same yeah. thing. They're like, I really commend you because I grew up in this type of household and right. I really wish my parents yeah. separated. And and I have stories of friends. The other day I was talking to my buddy and he was saying that he vividly remembers hearing his parents fighting mm-hmm. at a young age, like down the hall and w- when he was supposed to be sleeping and be like, oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what parents should be doing. And yeah. so, you know, I hopefully, you know, we try to show my kids that um, and I are fine mm-hmm. and that we don't hate each other and we're not fighting and we're co-parenting together. And they, they can sense that. But mm-hmm. I would say my advice is if you're in a bad marriage and a bad relationship with kids, I'm assuming a lot of your biggest fears surround your children is you got to somehow get to that point where you feel like you're doing your children a disservice by staying in the relationship. Yeah. Um, rather than getting out and you will find happiness. Yeah, you will. And it's it's very true. I have to say, yeah. All so. right. So that's a wrap. Um, that was deep. Uh, not all of our- That was hard. That was hard. Not was all really of our podcasts would be like this. That was sharing some very, like, very secretive things that I have never shared before. Yeah. That tough. was really, really tough. I mean, I'm sure that if I have followers that are watching this that have been following me since 2017, I'm sure you all know that time of when this went on. Um, yeah. So and I'm glad that I have you though, because you really helped me have get each through other. everything. So. Um, so for all of you guys, you know, listening, following, we really appreciate it. Um, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Uh, and let us know, you know, your comments, your questions, your thoughts. On another note that we forgot to mention in the beginning is we're going to start a Facebook group. Yeah. So if you're on Facebook, check it out. I think that's going to be a really good place for all of us to kind of meet up and talk and share stories and support. So uh, we'll let you guys know if you sign up for the newsletter, we'll let you guys know how to find our Facebook group. And yeah, that's it. Send some love. We appreciate it. And we will be back next week with a different episode. Yes, we love you guys. Thank you for the support. And we'll see you guys again soon. Bye. Peace.